Indeed, God has truly blessed us in this place. This is the day the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be and be glad. And why don't you help me thank God for all he's done so far. Thank God for our choir, our media personnel, our greeters at the door, you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. It is so good to be here on this Sunday morning as, again, we turn our attention to God's word in our series, Words in Red, where we're giving attention to the statements that our Savior made from the cross of Calvary. We turn our attention now to the fourth saying. If you've been with us in this series, you know then that we have looked intently at the first saying where Christ prayed a prayer of intercession, where he declared, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then we looked at that second statement from the cross as he turns to a rebel uh, on his side and he said, truly, truly, I stand to you today, you will be with me in paradise. If he was with us on last week, we paid attention to how Christ was, was very meticulous in his care for his mother as he extended that care to the disciple, his beloved disciple, whom he loved, where he told his mother, woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. Well, on this Sunday, we're going to turn our attention to that fourth word from the cross, and you'll find it in your copy of God's word in the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew, the 27th chapter, beginning at the 45th verse. That's Matthew, the 27th chapter, beginning at the 45th verse. Mark also gives account uh, to this particular saying, but for the brevity of time, we're going to look at Matthew. Matthew, the 27th chapter, beginning at the 45th verse. When you've made your way there, you'll see words similar to these. My Bible reads, now, from the sixth hour... There was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hear the words of our Savior once more. where He declares, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a word of anguish coming from the cross of Calvary. And would you join me as we make our way closer, as you look up and you see our Savior suffering, giving his life that we might be able to live eternally with God through Christ Jesus. Bow with me, Father, we do thank you that you've blessed us to once more gather in this sacred space. Father, we know that it wasn't by our own means, but rather by your grace and mercy that you've watched over us and you've protected us and you've allowed us to gather to declare your praises. And now, Father, as we turn our attention to your word, we humbly ask that your spirit would, would breathe on us afresh, that you would reveal to us the truth of your word, that our hearts, our minds might be receptive soil for the seed of your word, that it might take root and produce fruit in our lives, and that fruit will be all for your glory. Draw us closer to you as we look at the cross, that we might see your love, know you personally, and live our lives out for you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Today, we'll mark the 95th Academy Awards, the Oscars, are going to happen uh, later on on this day. Uh, many of you might be tuning into that. 
Um, and, and I understand if you would, because, particularly if you're a movie follower as I am. But I'm thinking back to that 73rd Oscar where uh, the actor Tom Hanks was up for a nomination. Anthony, you might remember the story he was up for a nomination for because he, he played a role in a, a movie called Castaway. Now, if you've seen that movie, you know that he wasn't by himself because there he was, cast away on an island as he was a victim of a ship, uh, a plane crash, and now he found himself um, isolated on an island. But, but he wasn't by himself because he had a volleyball that was with him named, I knew some of you knew the movie, I knew some of you knew it, uh, with Wilson, and Wilson was right there with him. And there he was alone, there he was striving to survive on an island by himself. Sometimes you can be in a crowded room and feel just that way, Bill, like you're on an island by yourself. Uh, psychologists say that the worst feeling is not the feeling of being alone. It's the feeling of being forgotten, forgotten by someone you would never forget. Can you see our Savior? Can, can, you, can you see him? Draw, draw closer in on the cross. For he has lived his life with the message of gospel truth, that when we believe in him, we would be a part of the family of God. And now Jesus is hanging there on the cross. He didn't deserve to be there, but he's there because we deserve to be there. He's on the cross. And this is not a sanitized scene. This is not a scene that you can, you can censure. Actually, this is a horrific scene as you look upon Jesus' bruised and broken body languishing on the cross. He suffered a beating. He suffered ridicule. And now there he is, body contorted as his, his beaten, bloodied back is laid up against a rugged cross. That every time he takes a breath in and is ready to speak, he has to endure the pain that comes with the condition. You see, crucifixion was, was no sanitized scene. It was horrific. It was gruesome. Where soldiers would, would find the, the narrow space in the wrist, not the hand, not the palm, but, but the wrist where the nerve endings would be attached and they would drive iron nails through the wrist so that the nerve endings would send shock waves to the brain that would explode in, in pain. And if that were not enough, as they went from one arm to the next arm, then they would take the feet of the one being crucified and they would lace them over one another and drive that same kind of nail through the arch of the foot. So now you have fire coming from the feet, lower extremities, all the way to the upper extremities, and they're continuously is a cycle of pain, continuously. It's a cycle of discomfort, continuously. It, it doesn't end. There, there's no relief. There's no comfort. And, and if that were not enough, you're, they're suffocating from the inside out. Because they can take air in, but because of how they're hanging there, listen, they, they can't exhale. Can, can you see them? Can you see him there lifting up all of his body weight on the nails that were fixed 
in his ankle, through his ankle bone and an arch of his foot to exclaim this saying. And the text says that he didn't say it in a whisper. No, you ought to look closely there. He said it with a loud voice. Do you see him there saying it in Aramaic, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Can you, can you hear the Savior? In a moment, Drew, where it's supposed to be daylight, but it's dark. It's a time in the day where the sun should be shining, but he finds himself in darkness. It's an unusual kind of darkness. Astrologers declare that this could not have been an eclipse because during the Passover there's a full moon, so there's no way that this could be an eclipse. No, this is a move of God. Only God could make it dark like this even in the daytime. Come on, walk with me for a moment because you know when it's dark, if you're a Bible student, then you know that anytime you see darkness, typically that is the judgment of God coming on the world. It, it is dark, not just kind of dark. There's no star in the sky. It is darkness in the daytime. Hmm, let me get somewhere in a moment. But God knew. God knew because he declared that it would happen this way. Old Testament scholars will tell you in Joel, the third chapter, the 14th verse, listen to what God's word says, that he, he's prophesied this very moment in Joel, the third chapter, the 14th and 15th verse. It says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. Contemporary Amos he gives a similar prophecy in Amos, the 8th chapter, the ninth verse, where he declares, And on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs into lamentations. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head, I will make it like the morning for an only son, and the end of it like a bitter day. God declared through the prophets that the day of the Lord would come, and on that day when the sun should be shining, it'd be filled with darkness. I think some of you know how that feels. I think some of you, though not crucified, but you know how it feels to be in a context, Fred, where it should be shining. The, day, the sun should be shining in your life, but it is, your life is filled with darkness. It's not that you want it to be filled with darkness, but everywhere you look, it's as though it is getting dark. I really want you to understand the context here, because here is Jesus. Jesus doesn't deserve to be where he is. In fact, he's obediently doing what he's sent to do, and while he's sent to do what he's obediently assigned to do, it seems as though his assigner is far from him. It's dark. The very one who called him to this assignment now is not seemingly connected to him. It is dark. It's one thing to be dark on the outside, but it's a whole other thing within your spirit and your soul where you are enduring and facing darkness. And if you are honest with yourself, you've been there sometimes where you're looking to hear from God, but God seems silent. Have you ever been there before? 
You've been praying and praying and praying, but the pain still continues. Has anyone ever been there before? Where, where you're looking and you're trying to do what's right, but the more you do what's right, it seems like wrong keeps coming to you. Have you ever been in a dark place before? So dark that you're trying to hear from God, and even God seems distant from you. Darkness. When it seems that things can't get any worse, but then things do. Darkness. When everything you tried not only doesn't work, but it makes things worse. And in every move, you're experiencing pain. That's the darkness. And oftentimes, we find ourselves there. If we're honest about it, we find ourselves there. Sometimes we're wondering, God, are you even looking at me? God, can you even hear me? God, are you listening? Are you even aware of what's happening in my, my life? And I hear some of you right now. Oh, you shouldn't question God. Let's be real for a moment. Have you been there before? God, I'm trying to do this the way you told me to do it, and yet I don't see you moving on my behalf. God, I know you said weeping may endure but a night, but it looks like my night is lasting too long, and the days doesn't seem to be coming. It's supposed to be sunshine in my life. And yet, Sally, it looks like it's only, it's only darkness. And the darkness would be okay if it didn't seem like God was so far away. This is where the Savior is, as he's there on the cross. And there, while he is experiencing the darkness, not only him, but everyone in the land experiencing this darkness, is in this moment where before, when you looked at him for three hours on the cross, he was there, he was suffering from the hand of man. He was suffering from the soldiers who were around the cross. But now when darkness falls, he's feeling the hand of God on him. Because, you know, he, he knew no sin, but he became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. He, in this moment, is receiving the wrath of God because of the sins of the world. And he does it because he loves us. And there, in this dark, desperate, derelict condition, the Savior declares, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? My God, my God. That's what he declares. Why? That question often comes to our minds when we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place, when we find ourselves without explanation why things are happening the way they are. And here in this context, our Savior knew where he was going to be. He knew that this was going to be difficult because if you follow the tapestry of the text, you realize just the night before, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying to his father because he knows the difficulty. And he says to his father, Father, if there's any way possible, let this cup be passed from me. But then he turns and says, nevertheless not my will, but thy will be done. What do you do when it's God's will for you to experience nighttime when everybody else seems to be experiencing daytime? What, what do you do when no one really understands what you're going through, but, but, but you know within, the, you, you, you feel, you, you're seeking God, you're, you're looking for God, but, but it seems as though he's, he's, just, he's just out of reach. And then you have to watch other people seem to be blessed while you feel like you're broken. You're on the same road as them, and they're getting the word, and you feel like, God, 
but you're not speaking to me. Jesus knows where you are. Because this is where we find him there on the cross. But I want to encourage you. As we see him there on the cross, you have to understand that he's there because of us. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, 21st verse says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter, the 2nd chapter, the 24th verse, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. By the 3rd chapter in 1 Peter. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He did it for us. He's dealing with the darkness for us. And in this darkness, it seems as though his father is far away. I said it seems as though, because it is clear to us who understand the triune existence of God that God would never forsake his son because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Come on, follow back with me in John 15. If you come with us on Wednesday, you'll see how we dig deep in John. In John 15, there is Jesus praying that disciples will be one just as he and the Father one. John 17, he says the same prayer. Hear me well, brothers and sisters. I want you to understand something in this context, that though it feels like God is far from him, God is not distant. And even when God is silent, God is still present. But the feeling of separation from the Father that Jesus felt must have been the worst part of the cross for him. He had never experienced the fellowship being broken between him and the Father. I want you to see it. And so what does he do? What does he do when he's no longer hearing from the Father? What do you do when you're no longer hearing the way you used to hear? What do you do when you're faced with darkness and you don't know what else to do? Let me give you some encouragement from the cross. Since Jesus was God and the Father, they did not literally abandon the Son. The members of the Trinity are forever united, and yet he doesn't hear from his Father what does he do? He reaches back in the Old Testament and grab a hold of Scripture in Psalm 22 where David writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Ah, he, he reaches back. Because when it seems you can't hear what God is saying, you need to hold on to what he's already said. He goes back. And he snatches a familiar 
psalm to those who grew up in a Jewish community, a familiar psalm that he learned at his mother's knee. And he, he, he goes back and he recites this psalm, the, the first verse, and he says, my God, my God. It's a psalm of David, a time when David himself was in a dark place, a time when David wasn't hearing from God, a time when David felt like he was faced with darkness and, and death was looming. He cried out to God and here Jesus used the same words as David right here on the text in his fourth cry a cry that is not final, but it's filled with frustration. My God, my God, God, Father, where are you? There he is. He's crying out to him, and he doesn't, he doesn't hear him. This, this took me back, AJ. This, uh, this took me back, Anthony, when, 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 I, was, when I was in school, when I was uh, in, in high school and, and elementary and all those grades. Uh, now, I know all of our teenagers on my left here, y'all, y'all won't get this because you all didn't have this in your classrooms. I don't think you did, uh, uh, but we had it in my classroom. Uh, I think some of you had it in your classrooms too because uh, um, in the front of the class there was, there was a, a blackboard. I'm just trying to see if anybody know what that is. Uh, and, and, and the teacher used to, used to get some white chalk and used to write on the, the black, anybody, when, when, she, when she'd write a certain way and make a certain sound and, and everybody in the class would, would, you thought it was a spirit, but no, that, that's not what that was. But she'd write on the board, right in front of the class, she, she, she would write out the instructions, but, but, and she would teach us along the way, he or she, uh, if it's in your conscience, would teach us, this is before Promethean boards, this is before laptops, uh-uh. we, we just had the chalkboard and, and a number two pencil, anybody know anything about it? Uh, number two, number, number two pencil, and, and th- there we were. Now, if you're in the classroom with me now, you know that, that the teacher would engage you each and every time you were in the classroom, except for one time, Dr. Al, the teacher would engage you in one time, and that was when testing time came. Because in testing time, all of a sudden, the teacher will side, the teacher will say something like, all right, clear your desk. Everybody take everything off your desk um, because now there's time for a test. And when you're taking a test, the teacher seems silent. I'm trying to get you somewhere here. Uh, when, 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 it's, when it's testing time, the teacher is quiet. But come here, saints of God, when you find yourself in a dark place and you find yourself and it seems like God is far from you, you have to remember what God has already taught you. I'm still in the text, you all. You got to remember what God already taught you. Psalm 30 and 5, weeping may endure but a night, but joy comes in the morning. You got to remember what he's already taught you. Psalm 34 and 19, many of the afflictions are the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. You got to remember what he taught you in 119 and 105. Though thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You got to remember the lesson so when the testing time comes, you'll be able to make it through because you know what he has taught you. Ah, he says, Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he pulls back on a word that was familiar to those who knew the psalm. Right there in that, that first, uh, first verse, he says, why is taking me? Why are you so far? In that 7 and 8 verse of the same number of the psalm, Psalm 22, he says, all who see me, check out how this is messianic. All who see me mock me. David writes this. They make mouths against me and wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. Go and look at verses 14 through 18. So messianic. He says, I am poured out like water. 
and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircle me. Look at it. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothes they cast lots. Do you see it there? He's in a dark place, that time of testing that all of us will find ourselves in. Uh, but as I, as I look at Kiana, that my, my sweet, great educator, that's my baby there. Uh, uh, she, 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 I can see her at the front of the room, and, and, I, and, and I, I see as, as the, the mind clicks back to when you're teaching and you're, you're testing. Um, but there's yet another aspect, because when the teacher is in the front of the room and the teacher is silent because there's an expectation that you're going to be able to regurgitate what you've been taught, there's, there's a secret weapon that you have in the classroom. Some of you are going to get it in a moment here, is that if I ever need the teacher's attention and it seems like things are just too quiet and I don't know how to proceed with next, all I had to do was... Raise my hand. You won't come in a moment here. All I have to do is raise my hand and the teacher will come to my, I see it right there in the text, you all, because in Psalm 22, check out what it says in verse 24, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. God has not despised him. He has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. When the darkness descends at a moment, you got to understand that God will hear you. Listen, you may not hear him, but he hears you. And when you can't hear God, you got to trust that even though you can't hear him, he's still working some things out on your behalf. Who am I talking to in this place? Because when you find yourself in that dark place and you find yourself wanting to quote like Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want you to remember what Jesus models for us in this text. That is when you think the Father's distant, you got to pull back on what you already know about him and then you can trust him. You can trust the word of God because God's word is true even if you're going through darkness. You can trust the works of God because God is always faithful. Even when you weren't faithful to him, God has always been faithful to you. You can trust the work of God that even if you don't understand what God is doing, you can still trust that God is doing it because you know why? Whatever the enemy means for evil, God has a way of making it out for your good. No weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Why? Because if you love God, he says all things, not some things, not a few things, but when you love God, is all things work together for good to them who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Trust the hand of God and even when you don't hear him, you can still trust that he's working some things out on your behalf. Man, I know that I savings came and it felt a little early, but I'm trying to feel my help come now. Uh, here's the reality. God is still working some things out. Even when it's dark in your life, God is still working some things out. I'm mindful, Bill and Sonia, that sometimes God does his best work in the dark. 
Though you can't see what's going on, he, he does his best work in the dark while he's working on you. It reminds me of a stage play. Some of you have gone to see some stage plays and, and the lights go down. When lights go down and the curtain closed. When the curtain closed, you can't see what's happening behind the curtain. But the director behind the curtain is setting up the next scene. The director behind the curtain is putting things in place for those so that when the curtain opens again, you're able to see that everything is in place. Come here, saint of God. Who am I talking to in this place? It may be dark right now. That's just the curtains being down. It may, it may look like you can't make it right now. That, that's just the lights going down. But you can trust that even when the lights go down, God, who doesn't need light because he is light, can work things out on your behalf. So when the curtains open again and he puts the light on, you realize that God was always at work in your life. Oh, I, want to, I want to encourage you to trust the word of God. I want to encourage you to trust the, the work of God. I want to encourage you to trust Trust the way of God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. It may not always make sense to you. In fact, right now in your life, some things may not make sense to you. Why things are happening the way they are. Why, as you're striving to follow God, it seems like everything seems to be coming against you. You can still trust God. Because at the end of the story, <laughs> some of you already saw the end of the book. At the end of the story, when it's all, when it's all said and done, you realize then that, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you're able to ask or even think. But you have to trust him even when it's dark. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His mind is on Psalm 22. Similar to if I were to, to quote for you Psalm 23. If I were to say, the Lord is my shepherd, you would say what? Yeah, that's what's happening here. He, he's, he's quoting Psalm 22, and everybody who's around knows Psalm 22. Just like some of you know Psalm 23. And at the end of that psalm, it goes from victimization to validation. It goes from, my God, where are you? To God, I knew you wouldn't leave me. It goes from, God, I can't hear you? To God, you'd never turn your face away from me. And there's some of you in here right now, you thought God gave up on you. You thought he didn't see where you were. I came here to tell you on this morning, God knows exactly where you are. And he's working some things out. And all you have to do is trust him. Trust him. It may be dark right now, but you can still trust him. Uh, like David, yea, though I walk. Oh, you know it, don't you? Through the valley of the shadow that I will fear, for thou art. What's interesting is that it never says that he said anything. God didn't say anything during that time, but God was still just want you to know that God is with you right now. And what Christ shows us is what to do when we find ourselves in those dark places. We go to the Word of God. We trust Him, trust His Word, and trust that He is working things out. That's what Calvary is all about. That's really what it's all about, y'all. That at Cal on Calvary, when you see our Savior Jesus giving life, that's God working things out. The Bible says that God demonstrated, he commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. 
that all who call on the name of Jesus, guess what? You shall be. You shall be saved. Because the only way to be delivered from the darkness is to put your confidence and trust in one who's already conquered the darkness. That's Jesus, our Savior. And if you can stand, would you please stand with me all over the building? Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.